about God or Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit or everything else the Word of God says unless you first fully, wholly believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. And so that was the, the first study that we did was bibliology. And then uh, we guess right on into chapter number two, the doctrine of God, which is theology. And then in the future chapters, we're going to see the doctrine of Jesus Christ, Christ Christology, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, which is pneumatology. <laughs> uh, let's see here. We got um, then the doctrine of man, then the doctrine of sin, the doctrines of salvation, the doctrine of the church, the doctrines of angels, the doctrines of the last things. We may skip the angels and go straight to the last things. I don't know. We'll see when we get there, but that's kind of the way the book is laid out, and it's been a, an enjoyable study. I like this, the fact, uh, I like this, um, this study. It helps me uh, in lots of ways, and uh, I know Brother Glenn and others have, have said that they enjoyed it as well, and I appreciate that. And so, um, so again, we're, we're getting ready to jump into the deep. Hopefully you can tread some water, and it's an awful thick steak, and so hopefully we can chew on some things. But uh, if you would... <laughs> The last several weeks, or the last time two weeks ago that we were here, we were looking at the counsel of God, the counsel of God, and we established the, uh, you know, that, uh, of course, there's a quote here, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And um, to try to understand that, and of course, he gives, we're made in his image, and he gives us a will. And uh, so we have a little bit of an understanding there, but, um, and, you know, we can try to, to, to take these things and make application, uh, but still yet to sometimes get into God's mind, it's, uh, it's, it's, we can't do that as man. And so, and then some people go into fallacy because that's exactly what they try to do is they try to get into God's mind on election and such. <laughs> and that's kind of where we're going to be tonight. In the counsel of God, so the counsel of God, let's just go through the meaning of it. We've seen the scriptural fact of the counsel of God, well, the plan of God in relation to the universe and man. And then so the meaning of it, the scriptural fact of it, the scope of it. And then we looked at, um, well, in the scope of it, it was all things, this is where it was that last time, the scope of the counsel of God, in all, all, he works in all things in general. And then he also works in things in particular, natural things. He works in spiritual things. And then that's where we left off last time. Now don't write me off and get just hang with me. And, and again, I'm not. I mean, we're just going through the book here. Got some good things to say. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Pray about it. And, uh, and, and hang with me because at the end of it, we're going to get into, at the end of this little segment here, we're going to get to um, the fact of um, the invitation or call. And it does give a, uh, you know, it talks about man's responsibility here you know, in, in this, in, in, again, the purpose of God in relation to redemption. So if you want to, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And then I'll just kind of start in this paragraph, and then this is the first scripture reference that the book uses here, Ephesians 1. Let's see here, Galatians, Ephesians, there we go. <laughs> Ephesians, I want to get my Bible turned right. All right, the purpose of God in relation to redemption. The purpose of God in redemption is one aspect of God's counsel. It is that phase of which it relates to the salvation of men. Quote, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. That's in verse 5. Well, even in verse 4. Let's back up to verse 3. Let's grab the sentence. Blessed be God and Father... Of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly, heavenly places in Christ. Semicolon. 
sentence hasn't stopped. According as he hath chosen us in him. Who chose? (laughs) According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us, a semicolon after love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, there's lots there that I've been taught a little bit differently than the way that we're reading here. Just in the fact that, and there's another scripture reference that uh, Mr. Bancroft uses here in this subject in Romans chapter 8, and, um, and then the fact that we are, oh, verse 28, let's go ahead and read it, because we'll get to there in a minute, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now again, we're talking about God's purpose, and we're talking about God's purpose in relation to redemption tonight. But then it goes on to say, for whom he did, he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them also he justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. All right, so, you know, I've been taught about verse 29, and we kind of see the same thing happening here in Ephesians chapter 1 in the fact that um, the end of his working in our lives is to conform us to the image of his son. And the same thing here, uh, let's see, where is that? Uh, right here, verse number 5. Having predestinated us to, uh, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, for what reason? To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So he's still working on me, the song says. And he is conforming us to the image of his son. He is making us, um, uh, what is it? he's ma- making us accepted in the beloved. So, and then the word adoption, the word adopted there, adoption there in verse number five. Uh, I've also always been taught that the word adoption is talking about son placement, son placement, more of a a, a placement then, because we're born again, okay, according to John chapter 3, we are birthed into the family of God. We are, we are sons of God from our belief and our, through our belief and faith in Him, according to John chapter 1. So John chapter 1, we become sons of God, uh, and according to John chapter 3, it's through a new birth, a spiritual birth. But then the adoption, again, the way I've always been taught it, pastors in my life, the adoption is placement, son placement, placement in the family based on whatever, his will, I guess, or based on whatever. Again, uh, that's the way that, uh, you know, because I can adopt a child that is placed into my family. So again, this is where they're going with it, the men that's taught me, and they have full rights of the, my full family rights, but they don't belong to me. So again, using that scenario is the, is the way that it's called, has been explained to me. And even though we are sons of God and we're there by the new birth, then that adoption is son placement. He has a place for us in his kingdom kind of sort of thing. So, And he works in us to that end. All right, so that's again the way that I have been taught. But... Now we're getting into Mr. Bancroft. <laughs> it's pretty, it's different. Okay, so here we go. Because here's where we're going to get tight. Just, just bear with me here. I'm just reading what he's saying. Because I had to read it again and again going, wait a minute now. 
Uh, all right, here we go. God's purpose in relation to men seems to be in the following order. One, <laughs> to create. And we've talked about that. And a lot of people want to talk about, you know, the, in general, you know, that we're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. So first, in, and so in relation to men, his purpose in relation to men seems to be to create. He created man, and he created man in his image. And we, if we wanted to go back, we've seen that counsel of God. God said, let us. There's the counsel. Among themselves, if you want to put it that way. And you say, but there's one God. I know, but in even three persons. And we see that by the word us. Again, it's bigger than my mind. It'll let me grab hold of. But we see that, that counsel of God, God purposed to make man in his image. So there's, there's God's purpose in creation. Secondly, to permit his fall, to permit man's fall. He didn't make us robots. In, in creating us in his image, he gives us a free will. And then he allowed us to exercise that will. Here, you eat this. And he fell. Uh Uh-oh, we're naked. Let's go hide. I hear God coming. The woman you gave me, the serpent... God knew all that was going to happen, but he allowed it to happen. It didn't take him by surprise. So, God's purpose in relation to men, to create, to permit his fall, and I like this one, to provide salvation in Christ sufficient for the needs of all. <laughs> and I like the way he put it, he, he provided for A-double-L, all. So, so again, because I'm going to be reading some statements here that you're going to say, wait a minute here. But throughout the scripture, and rightly dividing the word of truth, you'll see both in the scripture, especially when we get over here to salvation. You'll see both. You'll see that you know, he's not willing that any should perish, or any, but that all should come. So it's there. Okay. Fourthly, to secure the actual acceptance. Here's where it gets tight. To to secure the actual acceptance of this salvation on the part of some, for example, to make them subjects of elective grace. Hmm. Again, I'm just reading. Here's the meaning of it. By the purpose of God in redemption is meant that divine determination from eternity. Again, we just read it right over here in Ephesians. When was it? Before the foundation of the world. (laughs) All right. So, by the purpose of God in redemption is meant that divine determination from eternity to select certain individuals from among the sinful race of men upon whom to bestow the special grace of his Holy Spirit which would effectually bring them to repentance and faith in Christ. Okay, that's the meaning of it. The scriptural fact of it. The scriptures forbid us to find the ground of this purpose concerning man's redemption and moral actions of men either before or after regeneration and confine us merely... To the sovereign will and mercy of God. Okay, now Brother Glenn's going to get there, but we're going to get there tonight, and I'll just let him rehearse it when he gets there too. All right, in fact, they teach the doctrine of personal choice, choice or election on the part of God, on the part of God, not man. In Romans, turn with me to Romans chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. And really, it goes on a lot farther than that, but 
Let's go to verse number 8. Well, let's see. Verse number 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Am I in the right place? Uh, and not only this, but when Rebekah also hath con- had conceived by one, even our father Isaac. Now, we got a parenthetical statement here. So, let's just... Lots of times whenever I run across parentheses, I read the parentheses like it is because it's just like, a, like a, an extra explanation. But then sometimes in my studies... Just to, just to kind of get a grip on things, I will read to the, the open parentheses and then skip and then read it that way. So we could read it this way, and we're going to go back and grab the parentheses. So here's the way I would read. And not only this, but when Rebekah had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, verse number 12, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. Okay, so let's go and get some clarification in the parentheses. Verse number 10. And not only this, but when Rebekah had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, here it is, we're talking about the counsel of God, we're talking about the purpose of God. All right, so that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. That was God's purpose. He knew who was going to be carrying on the promise. Again, he's a sovereign God. He can do what he wants to. And there's where a lot of times people will just get all kind of sort of messed up. It's his purpose. All right, so, and then as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Uh, again, because that's who he wanted to, to, the promise to go to uh, through Jacob and not Esau. Uh, let's see here. I know it says uh, through 13, but let's keep reading. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he has said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy on. And I will have, com- or I will have uh, on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. It's all about God. All through here, it's all about God. And God's will and God's purpose. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same, here it is again, purpose. I have, have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardeneth. Now, just pause right there. Just do the backstroke a minute. Um, when you read that account in Exodus, he already told Moses that Pharaoh was going to harden his heart and not let him go. And he was going to send the plagues. He already, but but then when you read it in the King James Bible, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart himself. Pharaoh hardened his heart himself. Pharaoh hardened his heart himself. And then God hardened his heart. Okay, so, so there, are, there is a will and there are actions of men. Even when we read these heavier texts of Scripture, you know, and where, where our, well, I won't say, 
where the, the Calvinistic-leaning fellows want to just take it to seed because they don't... Well, like I said, we're going to get there, and, and this is going to sound pretty Calvinistic here at first, so but where they take it to seed is they want to try to get into the will of man, like I told you, or the, on the mind of God. Like I told you, I knew a fella, met him. He was he come to Island 4 for a little while, and then the preaching... Preaching most of the time takes care of them. They come in for a little while, and they're gone. Like that couple and their boys that come a couple of times, you know, every other Sunday for a few weeks, and then they, they haven't been back. The truth and preaching takes care of a lot of that mess. Good preaching, right. And like that one fellow that come in on that Sunday night said, oh, you know, we can sing, we can do this, I can come back for a meeting even. Well, let me, let me pray about it. <laughs> and I looked at his stuff and heard his testimony. They hand, they, they, they hands on no man suddenly, amen. But anyway, so, so that people want to take, take that off. Now, where was that? Okay, so let's see here. Uh, let's go back up. Uh, verse number 19. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he find yet fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another to dis, unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, like he did through Pharaoh, by the way, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. And again, that vessel of wrath, he just he basically said through Pharaoh's life, where was it at here? Um, that God would, there it is, verse number 17, for the scripture saith uh, unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee. God had a purpose in Pharaoh. That God might show his power. Um, verse, number 20, verse number 24. Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. All right, so let's go back over here. Woo, all right. Now, Mr., I think it's Andrew, Andrew Charnock. This is his quote, and this is pretty... I had to read this time or two. I said, hmm. If men are chosen by God upon the foresight of faith or not chosen till they have faith, they are not so much God's elect as God their elect. Hmm. I don't know. I had to read it. I said, wait a minute. Let me think about that a minute. So who's doing the choosing? In the scriptures, God's doing the choosing. Right, because he for but then that's just it. Uh, it says, all right, so let's see. Uh, they chose God by faith before God chooses them by love. It would not be the faith of those already chosen, but the faith of those chosen after their faith. Okay. Right. But this is a reversal of the truth. Election is the cause of faith and not faith of election. Fire is the cause of heat and not heat the cause of the fire. The sun is the cause of the day and not the day the cause of the rising sun. If the foresight of what works might be done by his creatures was the motive of his choosing them, why did he not choose the demons to redemption who could have done him better service by the strength of their nature than the whole mass of whole mass of Adam's posterity. All right. Anyway, that's his statement. This fact is established by the teachings of the following patches. All right. He, Acts chapter 13. And then, we're going, well, and then, well, we done read Romans 8, uh, 8, 28 through 30. 
And we know that all things work together for, uh, for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for who, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And in that scripture, God is doing all the work. It doesn't depend on any part of our faith, according to that scripture. Acts chapter 13, just hang with me because we are going to see man's part in it here in a minute. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So when did the faith come? (laughs) After the ordination? Okay. And here's John 6, 37. I knew you knew. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And he gives John 6, 44, and Romans 9, 22 through 24. All right, so, and we done read that. So here's the doctrinal statement, and we're going to get to application here of it as well. The doctrinal statement, the Scriptures teach that God has from eternity purpose to save certain individuals. Now, like I said... I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Making them objects of his favor, giving them to his son in a divinely affected union by the regenerating grace of his Holy Spirit. All right, here's the application of it. The purpose of God in redemption or his elective grace has a twofold application. In a general invitation or call. Okay, now here's where it's to everybody. This is where the Calvinist gets off because they want to they want to take what we just read in Scripture and just basically limit it to just a few who they right who they think that God has chosen, but they don't know, and you and I don't know either. That's why we have missions conferences. That's why we talk about going into all the world preaching the gospel to every creature because we don't know. But on this side of salvation, on this side of grace, I can thank God, and we should just all be shouting her out because, <laughs> because we are, and we realize that we're chosen. Hallelujah. So Isaiah 45. Oh, come on, Bible turn. There we go, pages. And I think it's a COVID thing. No. It's, you know, in the last two and a half years, that has gotten out of my, you know, you go to the, you go to the grocery store and you're over in the produce section and you pull off one of them little bags and you try to open it up and you want to go. And then because of all that's going on, you go, uh-uh. I don't want to do that no more. So you just stop licking your fingers to turn something or whatever. So what I do is I go over where that little spray misters are and touch something that's wet, and then I get it open anyway. But I just, so my pages don't turn because I'm not licking my fingers, but I'll shake with this hand, I'll lick with this hand, all right? So um, <laughs> it's crazy. All right, so uh, Isaiah 45 and verse 22, Look unto me. And be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. Again, else, the purpose of God in redemption or his elective grace has a twofold application in a general invitation or call. And there's the proof of the general invitation or call. All the earth. Okay? So he calls everybody. Isaiah 55 and verse number 6. Seek ye the Lord... While he may be found, 
Call ye upon him while he is near. Again, a general call. It's for everybody. His grace is for everybody. His blood that we sang about a little while ago is for everybody. He shed his blood for everybody. That includes us. That includes me. So, again, you know, where people... You know, people will just read the, you know, that's another thing. They'll pen knife, you know, what is the, they'll take, take and just pen knife out the scriptures that we just read a little while ago, but they won't, they'll pen knife out these scriptures here that it is to everybody. Whosoever will may come. Matthew 11, let's go ahead and grab some New Testament. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 12. John 12 and verse 32. And if I be... Let's back up. Jesus answered, in verse 30, Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is, the ju- now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, which is pointing to the cross, will draw all men unto me. Christ's words. So that was the general invitation or call and the application of the purpose of God in redemption. Here's the content of it. The general invitation or call includes the declaration of the plan of salvation, 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. All right, so that was the general invitation or call includes the declaration of the plan of salvation. So Christ uh, died uh, for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried and raised again. And then Romans 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All, everyone. Again, there's where people, like I said, some of these other statements, you're like, wait a minute, where is he going? But then the Bible teaches this as well. The declaration of the, so the declaration of the plan of salvation, and then secondly, the general invitation includes the declaration of the sinner's obligation to repent and believe. The sinner's obligation, Acts chapter seventeen. Acts chapter seventeen, verses thirty and thirty-one. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now, now, commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. All right. He commandeth all men everywhere. And there's the, there's the responsibility of man. He had a commandment, and our responsibility is to repent. All men everywhere to repent. All right. Then the declaration, or let's see, back up. Let's see, John, no, where was he at? Okay, there was Acts. Okay. Then John chapter 3. And then we. We know this very well. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's all inclusive, the word world. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the declaration, uh, so the content of the general invitation includes the declaration of the plan of salvation, the declaration of the sinner's obligation to repent and believe, and then thirdly, the declaration of impelling motives such as fear or hope, remorse or gratitude. All right, so uh, Jude 23. Let's back up to 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So again, the declaration of impelling motives such as fear or hope, remorse or gratitude. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 11 and 14. We'll just read 11 through 14, but 11 and 14. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For if we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Now, up in verse 11, because therefore the terror of the Lord, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We know what the word of God says about hell. It was preached just last Sunday or Sunday before last. Uh, it was preached by Brother Cooley, a reminder there of hell, uh, where I had preached on hell, uh, the and in hell, and I preached that message here, and I put it out on Facebook. It popped up as a reminder for me putting it on Facebook uh, uh, some time back, and I just reposted it again. And I was really amazed at a couple of people that that, that acknowledged it. I, I'm not amazed at a lot of people that didn't, and they like baby pictures, <laughs> And they like some of that stuff, but you put stuff out on hell, it's like, oh, we ain't going to like that one. We ain't going to acknowledge that. I'm going to ignore that. Keep on scrolling. Keep on scrolling. I don't want to see. I don't want to have to pay attention to that. But Wally and Shelly that showed up here that one day, you know, my friends, he, he acknowledged it. And, uh, and I, I was like, yeah, yeah, get him Lord. Anyway, so, uh, you know, they go to some charismatic something or another, I think, but. He was raised Catholic. He's the he's uh, he's I think he's the oldest of twelve. His grandparents and his parents come over from Poland, and he's the oldest of twelve Catholic. And I seen their I seen a video of their their Catholic wedding. You talking about a long wedding? I'm like, look, I will you, I will, will you, I will, do you, I do, do you, I do. I'm mean, let's go eat some cake. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm my kind of wedding, but not in a Catholic wedding. Anyway, but um. <laughs> But anyway, so, you know, I mean, they talked religious while they was here and uh, so on and so forth. I'm, I'm glad they're looking at the stuff. But, but anyway, so, so here, again, it was the terror that caused man. And we talked about pulling them out of the fire a minute ago. And then the love here in that last verse there in verse number 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So, so these things compelled us to go and try to reach others. Um, the, declar- the declaration of conditional acceptance is promised. Uh, John 1, 11 and 12. Again, let me read that again. The declaration of impelling motives. No, no, right, right. 
the declaration of con- conditional acceptance. The declaration of conditional acceptance promised. And I referenced John 1 a moment ago. John 1, verse 11 and 12. All right. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, again, man's responsibility to believe, man's responsibility to repent, man's responsibility to receive. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born of God. All right. So, let's see here. Woo! Do what? All righty. That, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. All right. Huh? <laughs> every man that cometh into the world. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Amen. All right. Here's the medium of it. So, we've seen the general invitation or call the proof of it, the content of it, and here's the medium of it, the medium of it, and that's the Word of God. The law of God as impressed upon the moral constitution of man is natural and is inseparable from man as a moral responsible agent, Romans 1, 19, 22, 14, and 15. But the gospel is no part of that natural law. It is of grace, not of nature. It can be made known to us only in natural revelation. We all believe that. I know we do. But you would be, I mean, that's one reason that I like going through this, you know, is because in my travels when I was on deputation, and I'm, I'm not talking about this kind of doctrine. I'm talking about the doctrine of the Lord's Supper, the two ordinances of the church, and there's only two, not the washing of the feet. Like some churches that I know of, you know, they want to have their three ordinances. No, there's just two, the Lord's table and baptism. And when you would preach that, I would preach just something, just make reference to it. Not a whole message on it, but just make reference to it in some of the churches I was in throughout America. And you would be, people just look at you like a calf at a new gate. I mean, they just didn't know what you're talking about. And I preached that in a church in Mississippi, just made reference to, because somebody had said that they were getting ready to have a baptism. And I said something about the baptism and, and the Lord's table or whatever. And, and the old preacher was not the pastor, but he was in the church. The old pastor was in, still in the church. The new pastor was there. And I got done, and the new pastor standing there, and the old pastor looks at me and says, you're the only other person that I know that's ever preached what you preached for the baptism in the Lord's table. And I'm thinking to myself, what's he preaching? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in fact, well, that preacher later on got to me and says, where do you find what, that about the baptism in the church? And I said, okay, yeah, I know. Anyway, so... So when you get a little bit of deeper things, but I, that's what I'm saying. I, I like this because it, it kind of makes you think. It kind of makes you study. It kind of it, it looks at it this way. So the medium of it is the Word of God. The law. So we've done so read that. The gospel. Let's see. Uh, the gospel is no part of the natural law. It is of grace, not nature, and it can be made known only to us by special and supernatural revelation. This is further evident first because the Scripture declares that a knowledge of the Word of the, uh, the knowledge of the word is essential to salvation. And then he gives 2 Timothy, I'm going to grab that one, 2 Timothy 3, 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able. What are able? <laughs> the holy scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All right, so this is a further evident, first, because the Scriptures declare that a knowledge of the Word is essential to salvation, and second, because they also declare that those who neglect the Word, either written or preached, are guilty of the imminent sin of rejecting 
all possibility of salvation. And it gives Matthew 11, 21 and 22. Woe unto thee, Cherazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than the day, at the day of judgment than for you. And then Hebrews 2 and verse 3. Hebrews 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So who can escape uh, So uh, if we neglect? And that's the neglection of the word. Now, thou faith comes through the word, but and, and, and but then, you know, if we neglect the word, then we are going to face that uh, destruction. All right, so the medium of it is the word of God, and then the objects of it is all men indiscriminately. And then we'll probably see, looking at the time, uh, yeah, we're probably in right down here. All right, so all men indiscriminately. The express declaration of the scripture, Matthew twenty-two fourteen: for many are called, but few are chosen. And then the command to preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 15. We'd already rehearsed this, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So the objects of it to all men indiscriminately. So the, expre the express declaration of the scripture, the command to preach the gospel to every creature. Thirdly, the promise to everyone who accepts it. To, the promise to everyone who, there we go, accepts it. In Revelation 22, you can turn there, Revelation 22, and verse number 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. All right. And then, so the promise to everyone who accepts it, and then the judgment pronounced upon those who reject it. John 3, 17, 18, and 19. Yes. And again, I mean, just, well, I've written, we read 17, 18 a minute ago. We'll add 19 here. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because... He hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Right, here's the last statement by A.A. A. Hodge. It, the general invitation, is addressed to the non-elect equally with the elect because it is equally their duty and interest to accept the gospel. Because the provisions of salvation are equally suited to their case and abundantly sufficient for all, and because God intends that its benefits shall actually accrue to everyone who accepted, accepts it. So it, we, we're responsible to get it out. The whole, world, the whole world is responsible to believe it. We know they won't. <laughs> According to the scriptures. But it's still our responsibility to get it out, and it's their responsibility. And, and we have, and like he pointed out there, the terror, the, our love for man, the terror that, that we know that, that's headed their way, uh, and, 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 and with fear pulling them out of the fire. And so we're, we're to, to approach getting the gospel to men with those motives and those, uh, those um, feelings in our bosom. 
and not get hung up on the fact that the knowledge of some, there's where a lot, they just would rather just sit. Well, those that's going to get saved are just going to get saved. They'll come in the door. I don't have to go out and invite them in. You know, and then people, some people get to the place where they just got an attitude of, I'm in, and that's all that matters. Just let everybody else go into hell. And that's, that's not the place. We should have that burden, like you just said. We should have, we should have a, 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 that purpose to go. And, and again, uh, I'm in the boat. How did Brother, Brother Billy Mitchell say that, I, that you knew that I was elect? Because I'm my own end. That's how I know I'm elect. But everybody else, I don't know if they're elect or not. That's in God's mind. And again, I've seen you know the vessel of honor and the vessel of dishonor uh, demonstrated. Some is you know the vessel of honor as far as well we used it this way. Nice, pretty, beautiful vessel of honor. So there's the vessel of honor, you know, and it's for whatever. It's for dust collecting. <laughs> That's what I tell Lisa. I want this and put it on this shelf, and I want that and put it on. And I've got all these things on the shelves. I'm like, what is it good for? Just collect dust and look at. <laughs> now, this is a vessel of honor to me because it's got purpose. It holds water. I can drink out of it. That somewhere it's pretty, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, so vessel of honor and a vessel of dishonor in the fact that you know some are he makes some pretty things to put on the shelf. He makes others something uh, uh, you know a vessel that's useful. <laughs> in my book, I mean, it's got some utility to it. I've heard it preached that way, but then I've heard the you know the vessel of honor, the vessel of dishonor being the vessel of honor of those you know that's going to accept the you know accept. Christ is their Savior and the ones that dishonor the, of the ones that won't. I've heard it preached both ways. So, anyway. But uh, I thank the Lord for His goodness. I thank the Lord that, that I had people that was willing to go for me. Willing to talk to me about the gospel. Willing to stand and preach to me about the gospel. Willing to, willing to, willing to have the burden for me to pray over me. You know, I've spoken my grandmother's prayers, coming in and seeing her on, my, on her knees next to her bed and hearing my name come off her lips. What a blessing. And, um, you know, it should motivate us. You know, we, we have the whole list there in the prayer list. We have a whole list of folks that's lost and then so many more. In fact, I had to kind of sort of, you know, I had to, I started praying for him. It's hard. <laughs> but I have started praying for a fellow that I work with more than the others. But he's the, he's the hardest one to pray for. And God just like, you know, I, I almost got a bad attitude toward him. Just, you know, out of all of them, you know, you think, man, he's hopeless. And God says, no, he's not. Yes.